This is Everyday Wellness, Episode 16, Mold Awareness and Strategies for Remediation with Brian Carroll. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist, here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, functional nutritionist and nurse practitioner. Let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. Good morning. We are here with Everyday Wellness, and today we have a really special guest. Um, This is Brian Carroll from Summit um, Integrative Wellness, and we wanted to bring him on to really talk about mold and mold awareness, which is something I didn't know as much about as I do now. Um, So technically, he's a nutritional movement therapist who helps the outdoor community to reduce injuries and improve their health so they can get back to exploring nature. I love that. His big health crisis came from mold exposures, taught him the importance of finding the root cause to illness so that he could take back control of his life. He's also the host of the Summit for Wellness podcast, which I've been a part of and was a complete pleasure. Welcome, Brian. We're so grateful to have you here this morning. Thank you both so much for having me. So, Brian, let's just dive right in. Uh, We've read a little bit about you, and Cynthia has been on your podcast and knows a little bit of your background, but can you please tell us how you got interested in this and how your diagnosis was kind of a pivotal point in your life? So, if we go back a little ways, I started out in the movement field, and um, when, when you're working with people and you see people that you're doing everything by protocols and they should be getting better and better but they're not then it gets really kind of um discerning because you're sitting there trying to figure out what the heck's going on and then i had one of my mentors approach me and say that um you know there's a lot more to the body than just a physical and being in the movement world all i saw was the physical and so he had mentioned to me that you need to start looking at the body from the inside out and there's a lot more going on on the inside that could be causing inflammation so that's what led me more into the nutritional world and uh, learning a lot more about uh, how the body functions and more about root causes of uh, illnesses And as I'm going down this path of um, education, it was during that time that I started to get sick myself, which I had never really had any big uh, health crises before. And so um, when it was coming on, it it presented very similar uh, symptoms as to strep throat, which is something I used to always get as a kid. And so at first I just thought it was just strep throat. So I kind of just did the normal routine for that. I went to the doctor, they tested, um, they gave me some medication, and then I went home. And after a few days, there was no change. Um, I continued to get sick. It actually got to the point where my throat was starting to uh, completely close up, and it was very difficult to even uh, drink water. And so I ended up going back 
to the doctor and they're like, oh, maybe it's mono. They tested for mono. It didn't come back positive. And then it turned into just a spiral down of health issues. All of a sudden, I just lost all my energy. Every day I would wake up and I would be the first thing I would do is look at the clock and see how many hours it would be until I could go back to bed. Um, everything in my body was just stiffening up so much that I couldn't even um, turn my head to look while I was driving down the freeway. I had a lot of headaches, I had a lot of brain fog, and no one could figure out what the heck was going on. And then after about 12 weeks, which I'm a very outdoorsy person, I, I do a lot of physical activity, um, and about three weeks in, I couldn't even go and exercise. I, I stopped going outside. Um, I just didn't have the energy for any of it. So after about 12 weeks, I saw someone in Seattle, and they, they just randomly were like, maybe you have mold exposure. I'm like, you know, thinking about it, oh, I don't think so. But they said, since you've tried everything already, let's just test or try some uh, supplements out for mold and see if that might be the problem. So he gave me some supplements. I went home, and within a week, I was about 85% better. All wow. of a sudden, wow. like my brain fog cleared up, I had energy, my throat cleared up. Um, I started going back outside, which was like the one thing I was looking forward to because once you take something that you absolutely love away from you, then it kind of makes life kind of dull. Um, and so for a while there, I was thinking maybe they just got lucky. Maybe I was <laughs> towards the end of the illness and it was already clearing up. But then I was looking at a house that right when you walked in you could tell that it was super musty and moldy smelling and mm -hmm. within about five minutes there most of the symptoms came back i had to get out and the next week i was back to square one wow. and so mm -hmm. that's when i started realizing that maybe it really is mold so i went right back on the same protocol because i'm like it worked last time uh so let's let's get my health back to where i can start working on other things with it um and then of course uh Two trials of mold exposure wasn't enough, and I ended up going into a moldy barn, and I got hit again in the same process. So that's kind of my story with mold, and then that led me into a, a lot more education about mold and how much it can impact people's health, and how many people out there don't even know that they might be exposed to mold within their homes, and that could be one of the causes for some of their health symptoms. It's really interesting that you responded so quickly and positively. I, you know, I, I guess it's been my experience, not so much with my clinical practice, but with family and friends that have been impacted by mold, is that it's been so insidious that it's it's been you know this slowly evolving process. And I wonder for you, because of how physically active you are and in your you know very. Um, you know, very active lifestyle outside, if that was what kind of clued you in that something really was amiss. Whereas I think a lot of other people are very disconnected from their bodies. I wonder how much of that contributed to you getting diagnosed early and get treated early. Yeah, it very well could be. All I know is um, it was also a very stressful time. So at that point, I could have had a lot of my immune system just turned off and then being exposed to mold, then I could have just tanked my system. That could have been part of it too. So when you're thinking about mold, 
I mean, I think it's, I think all of us kind of know what mold is. Like it's stuff that grows on your cheese in your refrigerator if it stays there too long. But can you kind of help us to understand what pathologic mold is and kind of why it affects some more than others? So when we take a look at mold, mold is uh, fungus and fungus is mold. There's slight differences, but we don't need to get down to the molecular level about that. Um, But mold and fungus is found pretty much anywhere. If you walk outside, there's going to be mold and fungus um, directly, you know, on the trees or on the ground. Um, And when it's out in nature, it's competing with everything else that's out in nature for the same plot of land. So one, um, one type of mold can be competing against different bacteria, other types of mold, um, different fungi, all sorts of stuff for that one plot of land. So it becomes kind of a war and it's this back and forth war and it's such a wide open space. So that's why if you're out walking through the woods or something and you see mold on trees, a lot of times you don't really get sick from that. However, when you live in an enclosed space, then what happens is uh, everything is competing for that space. And then once something starts winning, winning that battle, there's no way for other bacteria or other um, molds or fungi to come in and uh, fight back. So once one type of mold starts to take over a region of the house, then it starts to proliferate very quickly and it grows very quickly. Um, So that is one of the reasons why we get a lot of mold exposure from homes is because instead of having thousands, if not millions of different species all competing for um, space in a very wide open environment, it's a couple species that are competing against each other in an enclosed space where you are then breathing all of the mycotoxins that's coming off of these uh, spores and the, the mold. So um, if we're looking at the body itself, you hear a lot about the microbiome, which is a bacteria within the gut, but we also have the myco, uh biome, which is the fungi and the mold that's in the body. And when you're looking at the readings of these microbiome, a lot of them actually are similar to the toxic molds that we see um, uh, in the households. They're just on very low levels because within the body, you want to have a nice colony of different uh, bacteria and different fungi and molds. But if you're constantly breathing in the same type of mold, then that's going to create a lot more issues within your body. And that makes sense. You know, the the good old mycobiome or the microbiome are are things that, you know, listeners may not be as familiarized with. uh, But, you know, it comes down to on a molecular cellular level, how important it is having balance in our bodies. Um, That's really, you know, the takeaway message for everyone to really understand and process. What's interesting, um, Brian, is when I was kind of doing some research in in preparation for our call, um, something that really I found staggering and and you again because this is something you're more familiarized with you may be more aware of um, you know some of the changes that have occurred just with building in the last you know 40 plus years and and how um, there's less breathability with a lot of the materials that are being used to to make to you know build homes uh, especially here on the east coast where there's always so much development that's ongoing 
Have you found, you know, with the people that you're working with, are they finding that um, when they're purchasing new homes, um, are they testing for mold? Is this something that people are concerned about? Or do you still feel like this is really just so new that most people, it's not even on their radar? So most of the time, people aren't testing for mold. Um, Inspectors might do some tests for mold, but they'll do air samples instead of dust samples, uh, which doesn't really test well, those tests don't really come back uh, with very much mold in the actual air. Um, a lot of times the spore is heavy, so you need to be testing the dust that's laying mm-hmm. around the house. Um, but like you said, with the changes in the the way houses are constructed, the houses don't breathe as well. So uh, kind of like what I was talking about before, now you're enclosing the space even more so that other uh, colonies can't come in and compete for the space. So with more breathable spaces, then you're able to get more colonies to come in and fight for territory. But one of the other issues that um, I think is probably an even bigger issue is um, I live here in Washington where it rains like 250 plus days a year yet we build houses all year long so it takes if if something gets wet it takes less than 24 hours for mold to start growing on uh, that material and the houses here they're just constantly getting soaked by rain as they are being built and I highly doubt that the contractors are going in and completely drying everything out every single day so that mold does not grow on them. And yes, they can be using materials that are mold resistant, but even mold resistant materials still grow mold. So uh, at some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered 
armor colostrum. And the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. By knowing that, that alone, that all these houses, all these hotels here too, are just absolutely soaked while they're being built, I I would be very worried about the health of the houses in general in these types of areas. Now that is Washington. Washington, we all know, rains a lot. However, if we look at a place like Florida, which has extremely high humidity, that means the materials there are still going to get wet just from the humidity. So humidity also is a factor in the growth of mold within homes as well. Yeah, I think I was reading that it was uh, when the humidity goes over 60%, which, you know, for most of the East Coast is um, a good portion of the year, that that's really when we should be making efforts to uh, dehumidify the air. I mean, this this kind of made my husband laugh because um, we had a uh, actually had a flood in our basement. We bought this house three years ago. This will be interesting to share with the viewers. Three years ago, we bought a house. And the, it's very common in Northern Virginia for everyone to have three floors of hardwoods. That's very common, including the basement, and which is unusual to us that anyone would want to put hardwoods in a basement. Uh, and I said to my husband when we, when we bought this house, I said, oh, this will be fine unless we have a flood. Well, then we had a flood. Um, and so we ripped out all of the hardwoods and put in, um, it's an engineered product. So if it were to get wet, um, it's something that we can easily pull up and we don't have to deal with carpet and, and all of that. Uh, but I remember when they came out, and this is in January, and I tried to tell the insurance company, I want a mold test. They said, oh, it's too cold for mold. And my husband was like, you don't understand my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I made them test uh, because I was just convinced that, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be one of those people who five years later had some mystery illness that they couldn't figure out. Uh, but I agree with you. It's definitely a challenge. And Kelly, I'm not sure you live in a, a very historic area. Is that, is that on people's radars in terms of testing or is that still pretty new? 
You know, I think it's still pretty new, although I will say with all of the rain that we've had here recently, there's been kind of an influx of flooding. And I know just from the community forums that I'm on, there's definitely been some talk about mold. And, you know, some of the pictures people have posted clearly shows that mold is an issue, but I'm not sure what steps are being taken to remediate those issues or if people are tying the mold that they see to their physical, mental Mm. symptoms. So Brian, you mentioned some of the symptoms that you faced, but could you talk about the most common symptoms of mold exposure and toxicity that you see in your practice? Yeah, of course. And let me step back just a little bit. Uh, Cynthia had mentioned that mold grows in humidity over 60%. It's actually about 50%. So um, that's a good distinction. Yeah, um, it doesn't take a whole lot of humidity for mold to grow. And we use a dehumidifier and we try to keep our place around 40%. Um, okay. And it's it's helped quite a bit. Uh, but symptoms of mold. So this is definitely an interesting one because I'll, I'll just list off some symptoms and then I'll ask you guys what, it, what those sy- symptoms also sound like. So... Um, Some symptoms could be fatigue, weakness, uh, muscle cramps, aches, headaches, light sensitivity, um, blurred vision, uh, a lot of sinus issues, especially respiratory issues because you're breathing it in, um, coughing, shortness of breath as well. Uh, People can fluctuate between diarrhea and constipation. Typically we see more diarrhea, but it depends on the person. And then a lot of memory issues and focus issues as well. Um, And then some, a lot of times actually we see an increase in urination because of the body trying to excrete toxins. So by just those symptoms, what else does that sound like? And if you don't know, I would say that sounds like a ton of different uh, illnesses out there. Right. Well, so, it's very hard to, to pinpoint. I know that um, I work with a, several of the functional medicine practices locally, and um, mold is almost always on their minds. But I think, you know, traditional Western medicine, not so much. So, you know, certainly helpful to be, you know, keeping it as part of, we used to call it a differential diagnosis, thinking of something that it could be if nothing else is improving. I know there are vision tests that a lot of the functional medicine doctors will use uh, with their patients when they come in. Um, initially just to use as a screening tool and they're they tell me all the time that they're not at all surprised they're seeing as much mold as they are that it's far more problematic than people realize Um, and something that certainly you know for you know my own clients that I work with if there's if we can't figure anything else out I always tell them we need to test your eyes for mold it needs to be tested just to make sure that that's that's not uh, you know contributing to your symptoms but you're right when you have all of those symptoms it's very hard to differentiate like where are they where where is this coming from um you just have to diligently work through them yeah and there's a lot of um similarities between mold symptoms and lyme bartonella and epstein-barr so Mm -hmm. um it's very difficult to know which route to go down because is it mold is it lyme who knows have you Mm -hmm. ever been bit by a tick who knows so that's where we can go into a lot of testing and try to figure out kind of like what you're talking about uh, vision testing and uh, doing uh, mold specific testing as well so it sounds like there are ways to test individuals and ways to test the home can you talk a little bit more about the different tests that are available 
So uh, if we talk about the home, then one of the uh, great tests that you can do is called the Ermi test, um, and that is testing for the different dusts in the house. Um, if you have a multi-layer house or a multi-story, then it's best to take samplings from different uh, regions of the house so that you get a better idea of the health of the house. Um, and then there's also what's called the Hertz Me test, which is um, also done to see if the, the house is healthy enough for occupancy. So those are kind of the two tests um, to do for your living space. And then some of the tests for uh, yourself, um, you have the visual contrast sensitivity test, which is what Cynthia was talking about, um, which you can do online too. Um, it's like $15. It's pretty inexpensive. So that can give you a good um, generalized indication of which, which direction to go, whether it's mold or other biotoxin uh, issues. Um, there's also biotoxin uh, questionnaires that you can do online to, uh, once again, just kind of narrow things down a little bit. But then you can run or find a practitioner to run for you a mycotox profile. Great Plains has a really good test for that. Uh, they test for like 11 different mycotoxins and then I think it's 40 different species of mold uh, within your body. Uh, so that's a really good test. Um, and then you can do some standardized tests like organic acids tests, um, which you can also get from Great Plains uh, to test the organic acids in your urine. And then some people like to do genetic testing for HLA, uh, DR testing, to see if people have the, uh, the genetics to be able to fight off biotoxins. Um, there's about 25% of the population that does not have that gene, and so those people are a lot more susceptible to uh, mycotoxin exposure. That's why you can have a household of, uh, let's say, five people, and one person is uh, really sick from the mold in the house, then uh, that would be an indication that they might have a genetic uh, disposition there and not... Um, having the genes to be able to fight off those biotoxins. Now, the the genetic test isn't foolproof because I came back um, and I, I have the genes to fight off biotoxins and I still got sick. So it definitely is a good indicator, but it's not a, a foolproof test. That's good to know. Um, and so the two tests that you mentioned for the home, are those tests that people can just order themselves? Um, yes, you can order those tests, um, or you can have someone else come out and do the testing for you, but you can go on, um, like online and order them. And I think it's, I'm trying to remember the name. Is it, uh, Mycometrics, I think has uh, really good testing for the ERMI test. Um, so not every lab is the same. You get some labs that test, uh, the ERMI test really well, like they have really good feedback from it. Um, and then other labs don't have, um, as sensitive of testing for the ERMI results as other labs. So, uh, Mycometrics is a really good one to go through. Cool. And so, you know, we want to get rid of the mold that's there, obviously. And you mentioned a couple of instances to include, uh, building and really 
damp conditions that could start this mold issue. But are there any other sources of water um, in the home, mold in the home that we might not be aware of? Um, well, there's definitely, like, if you ever had a burst pipe, um, then that can cause a ton of issues in the house. Uh, but even something as simple as, you know, a child carrying a glass of water and spilling it on uh, the carpet, that can, and if that's not dried up right away, then that can cause mold to start growing on the carpet. And mold loves cloth. So any kind of fabric, mold just goes to town on. So, um, if there is mold in a household, then you want to make sure that you remove any cloth items or fabric items within that area where the mold is because it gets deep into the fibers of um, the fabrics. So whether it's clothes, whether it's um, upholstery, whatever it is, you want to make sure you completely get rid of all that. Um, other issues, if you have a leaky roof, that can cause issues. Um, you want to check a lot around like uh, the window sills, window frames, because water can get in through the edges there. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty good on that. I mean, anytime you have any kind of water spill, um, you definitely want to dry that up as quickly as possible. You know, it's interesting. I have a, a very good friend who actually had to leave her entire home. Um, I guess the mold had so infiltrated, the spores were in everything. They had to leave all their clothing, their children's toys. It was really just profoundly sad. They had to completely start over. So I think, um, you know, the one thing that I, I found I kind of profoundly overwhelming about it was that, uh, you know, when those spores kind of detach and, and get in the air and, you know, get into fibers that, uh, it's not as if you can clean them per se. Sometimes things actually have to be thrown away or destroyed, which is, you know, it adds another layer of complexity to mold infestation if it's in your home. Yeah, it makes it a very expensive process too. And um, if the house is too far gone, a lot of times it's better to, just like you said, move to somewhere else and start over. Mm -hmm. I know it's expensive, but it's I'd rather have my health than to be sick all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm sure you probably remember how poorly you felt, you know, before you were treated. So, you know, on that kind of, you know, kind of cusping off of that question, you know, what are some common ways that we can actually address um, mold infestation uh, with supplements? You know, what are some of the key things that, you know, our listeners should be thinking about if they're working with someone? I know that, you know, immunity support is obviously huge, mitochondrial support, which are the powerhouses of our cells. Um, what are some of the key ways that we can address that? Yeah, so the mycotoxins themselves stimulate a very inflammatory response in your body. So one of the uh, number one things I like to have people do is take on an anti-inflammatory diet because mm -hmm. your body's already uh, flared up from the mycotoxins, so we want to reduce the amount of inflammatory foods that you're eating so that we're trying to help out the immune system there. Um and then you also want to avoid foods that are made from mold, yeast, or fungus, or is a mold, yeast, or fungus. So that's stuff like alcohol, or mushrooms, or even cheeses. Um, and then high sugar foods, uh, mold loves to feed on sugar. And so you want to remove any high sugar foods as well. Mm -hmm. 
and then vinegar containing foods as well so any type type of fermented foods you want to remove that okay and then grains a lot of grains and a lot of nuts and seeds um, are just contaminated with mold before they even get to you so it's best just to pull those from the diet for the meantime Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can try to introduce those later and then another big one that most people they will fight you to on to take it out of their diet because they won't want to is coffee and oh. coffee beans are typically very moldy so and people like their coffee so that's one of those things that you definitely want to remove from there and that makes a lot of sense i mean it, it's interesting i was listening to a, a podcast that dave asprey was the bulletproof coffee guy and i i had no not being a coffee drinker let me just admit that up front i didn't realize how, how much oh oh you might be the, the only other person i've ever met um other than my husband uh you know it, it's interesting i didn't realize how big of a problem mold is for coffee beans uh just a really and he was of course getting trying to get people to buy his product which may very well be excellent quality but i don't know because i don't drink coffee uh, but I had no idea it was not even on my radar. A lot of those other things make sense to me. I'm not sure if they do to you as well, Kelly, but uh, I was surprised about the coffee. I was like, wow, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. and um, living here in Washington, a lot of people give me a, a lot of weird looks for not liking coffee because this is where <laughs> Starbucks came from. So. <laughs> I think you're better off. It's like one less addiction. I, I mean, I, I guess working exactly. in, in the healthcare industry for so many years, how I managed to work nights as an ER nurse and then later as a nurse practitioner working nights, how I managed to get through an entire night without coffee is people were always like stunned. And I'm like, well, I don't even drink. I don't, I'm not even a soda drinker. I just, I'm fully, it's just my own body doing it without a stimulant. And then, you know, I, I was reading that Things like infrared saunas, making sure, you know, you're getting good quality sleep are super beneficial. Um, And then I'd love for you to touch on if you do use this in your practice, but things like liposomal vitamin C or glutathione or using those to help support your clients when they're kind of coming back from um, a mold issue. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, 
me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of beam minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water and you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Yeah, so if someone has been exposed to mold, then it creates a big toxic load on the the entire system, which is why a lot of times urination, urination increases because the liver gets so overwhelmed and the detox pathways get so overwhelmed that your body is trying to excrete it through the urine, mm-hmm. uh, these toxins. Um so before you even try to detox, you want to make sure that uh, the gut is healthy because a lot of people have compromised guts. So make sure the gut is healthy enough to be able to start moving toxins through the gut and out through uh, your fecal matter. And then, like you were mentioning, you want to start working on phase one and phase two of detox. So you Mm -hmm. really want to work on supporting the liver, um, especially glutathione. So uh, high doses of glutathione can definitely help to um, get things moving out of the system. And then a lot of times I like to use a binder, um, whether it's betonite clay or zeolite or something along those lines, to be able to bind to these toxins and remove them as well. And then um, some other uh, nutrients that you want to make sure that you get pretty high dosing of is vitamins A, E, and C. And then you can add in some NAC as well to, just to help with the mitigation of the oxidative stress and then um, 
phospho titylcholine. I actually had a guest on my podcast that was talks- talking about PC for mold and how Europe uses it a ton over there um, because it just helps to pull the biotoxins out of the cells. Um, so they use really high dosing of um, uh, PC. Okay. Um, like she was talking about one gram of PC per pound of body weight, which is extremely expensive and probably not going to happen uh, (laughs) just because of the cost of that. But um, that just shows like how powerful PC can be. And as far as we know, currently there is no side effects of having too much PC in the body. Um, And PC, phosphatidylcholine, also is really good for um, inflammatory conditions in general. And very good for liver and gallbladder issues and in the prevention of gallstones um, and kidney issues. So all of those are all parts of the body that get impacted by mold exposure. Um, And then on top of all that, you want to make sure that you're uh, producing adequate bile because that's where the toxins are going to be coming out through into your GI tract. So... uh, making sure that you're getting lots of magnesium, um, uh, sodium as well, and then um, choline and taurine would be really good for that as well. Now, are you, are you doing food-based substance? Are you using food-based um, supplements or are you focusing purely on just pharmaceutical-grade supplements? I'm, I'm asking out of curiosity because I know um, working with clients, sometimes we've got these long, complicated protocols that I'm working off of for them, and I feel like they almost get supplement fatigue. Although, obviously, if someone's got mold toxicity, they've got a lot going on. They're going to need quite a few supplements. Um, do you get a lot of pushback from your clients or are they just so anxious to feel better they don't care? Yeah, it definitely depends on people's pocketbooks because if you're throwing a ton of stuff at them and very high dosing, then it can get really expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the stuff like um, glutathione, uh, PC, and uh, some other things we definitely do in supplemental form because we can get more uh, via supplements than we can just through food. Uh, we can try to supply people with enough uh vitamins A, E, and C through food, but I still think that it would be better to supplement. And then uh, we also use a formula called Fungon um, to help (laughs) break down uh, mold toxicity in the body or molds that's in the body as well. So that that is one of those supplements that's extremely powerful and you're not going to be able to get um, a, a powerful formula like that just in herbal form so it's it's definitely a mix and you kind of have to read uh, what people can handle because a lot of times if people are going through this then they're spending a lot of money on uh, remediation of their household they could be even having to buy a new house Um, some people have had to um, you know get rid of everything in their entire household so it's definitely a very expensive process for a lot of people it sounds as if you had a near immediate response when you started taking some supplements and making changes. And I know everyone is different based on their own kind of detox pathways and level of exposure, but is there sort of like a general guideline as to when people can expect to start feeling better once they do a lot of these lifestyle and supplement um, additions? Yeah, I think it's um, it definitely depends. I think I got extremely lucky that I was able to bounce back that quickly. Um, 
but that last 15%, 10, 15% or so took a long time to get back in my health. Uh, whereas some people, it takes a long time to get through the initial stages of recovery. And then that final section is uh, a lot easier to get through. So it just depends on people's exposure. It depends on, um, you know, how their body detoxes, if their body detoxes really well, if they have good methylation pathways um, or not. Um, their genes, their genetics plays a big factor in uh, being able to detox properly. So it definitely depends. Some people, it can be a couple months and they feel really great. A lot of people, it's a year plus. Wow. Well, I, I know personally, I've definitely learned a lot about mold from your time here today. Um, if you kind of could boil things down and give our listeners two things that they could do from your perspective to increase their wellness every day, what would those two things be? Ooh, um, to increase your wellness, uh, number one would be to um, start removing very inflammatory foods in your diet. And for everybody, what causes inflammation is going to be different. But some of the big uh, heavy hitters that we see in today's society, at least here in America, is gluten and uh, dairy. Uh, both of those are very highly processed here. And um, there's a lot of other associations that's making them very inflammatory within the body other than just being gluten and just being dairy. Uh, so I would have people take some kind of anti-inflammatory type diet, even if it's just for a few months, just so that they can start getting in the right direction um, with their health. And then the second thing is just finding a movement practice that feels good for them. It doesn't have to be high intensity exercise as a, at a gym. It doesn't have to be um, you know, slow yoga or anything like that. Just find something that you enjoy and something that uh, you can keep up with. Like for me, it's getting outside, it's rock climbing, it's hiking, it's backpacking, all sorts of stuff. That's that's what I love to do. And so when I'm doing that stuff, it doesn't feel like um, something that I have to do. It's more just something that I want to do. So if you can find some kind of movement practice that you want to do, it'll make um, getting or moving a lot more fun. But I love that you incorporate the movement piece because I, I think that we've gotten so far away from how important that is to move our bodies, even if we're not outside. You know, we're we're at the stage where, you know, we really have four seasons here in Washington, D.C. And I see a lot of my clients from November till March. They just don't want to go outside other than to get in their cars or walk their dog. They just don't want to be outside. And I, I'm finding the older that I get, the more benefit I get just from being outside and having the sun hit my face getting out in nature, smelling the fresh air, all of those things are so important because we live in, we kind of exist in these spaces now where we are in filtered, you know, filtered air all day long, um, recirculated air, we're in our cars, we're in airplanes. Um, and so I think it's so important. So I'm glad that you, you did mention that. That's really hugely beneficial for so many people. We don't do enough of it. Yeah, and here people will talk about the hiking season, and I'm like, season? You can do it all year <laughs> long. Why Why are you cutting it down to just one season? So just because the weather isn't, you know, blue skies and sunny all the time doesn't mean you still can't get outside and breathe the fresh air. And I actually think um, the fresh air, like, while it's raining, is way uh, better for me than just the blue sky days, so... That's great, especially because in Washington that happens a lot. 
Yep. You um, get used to it. Yeah. So, Brian, we really thank you for all of your information and expertise. And, you know, we really wanted to talk to you about mold today because we knew that you were an expert in that field. But you also do a lot of other things to include movement. Um, can you please tell our listeners about some of the other offerings that you have, how they can work with you, and where they can go to find out more about you? Yeah, so uh, if people go to summitforwellness.com slash EW podcast, then we'll have a full resource guide there for um, just mold exposure. And um, if you're, you know, worried that you might have been exposed to mold, different steps that you can do. Uh, But that will also put you on my website and then you can see everything else that we have to offer. Uh, We also have our Summit for Wellness podcast, which Cynthia has been on before. Um, And I love, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually one of our top downloaded episodes right really? now. Just so you know, oh, yeah, that's so awesome. I love. I I so enjoy. We had such a great uh, such a great session, but you know, it's such topics that are so badly needed. People really need to hear. So that's that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Yep, I totally agree. It was an awesome conversation. So people can go over and listen to Cynthia over on that podcast. Great. Well, again, we thank you for your time and all of your information. And we know that our listeners will definitely benefit from all that you've shared today. Awesome. Thank you both so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.